Welcome to church. Kiorana, Kiora, Tolofalava, Malo Lele, Fakalofale Yatu, Bulavanaka, Nihao. Yeah. Hello. I'm running, I'm running out now. I'm running out of, out of welcomes. Uh, welcome along to church. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I loved it. I just, uh, what a great time of worship. Uh, my wife's amazing. You know, sometimes I go to sleep and I say, could you just stand at the end of the bed and sing to me as I sleep? Yeah. And uh, when I wake her up in the morning, I stand and I start singing and everybody gets up in the house and it's just amazing. Um, it's so good to be in the house of God. Our series is Why? Why? And we kicked off our series by looking at why church. Why do we go to church? What is church all about? And, we, and Jesus, uh, he tells us what church is. The first time we hear words church is when Jesus says that, that I will build my church and the gates of death cannot overcome it. Yeah. And this is what he says. And, we, and last week we discovered that what church actually means, ecclesia, means a group of people caught up for a specific purpose. That you've been caught up for a specific purpose. If you're, it's not a building. Church is not a building, but it's people. People are the church, and you have been called out for a specific purpose by Jesus. He's called you out for a specific purpose. What is that specific purpose? And Jesus, um, he begins to tell us what the specific purpose is, and that's found in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, and, and I'm going I'm to read to us this morning. Um, and last week I gave us a challenge. If you're able to, we call this the Jesus Creed. If you can, if you can pray this prayer every morning and, and, and before you go to sleep, uh, if you can get this into your spirit, this will change the way you see everything. And Jesus said this when, when he was asked, which is the most important commandment? And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. He says, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus is saying, there's nothing greater than this commandment. To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing greater than these commandments. And when you can get this into your spirit, if you allow this to permeate through you, you begin to see everybody in a different light. You begin to see people as, as how God sees people. And when you can get this inside of you, this is the purpose of the church. This is why church, this is why we meet. This is why we go out, so we can love God and love people. And when you begin to do that, you, you, can't, you can't help but see other people in a different light. Years ago, myself and Porter, we, we lived, when we first moved to Hamilton, we, um, we lived in, a, in what some would call a low socioeconomic area within Hamilton. And we saw a real need in our community. We, we, we had a lot of children ourselves. And so we, and we saw a lot of children in our community just hanging out on the streets late at night. So we began to run a program um, at the community center there. And the program was simply this, is that we'll just play some games with the kids, gather them all into the, to the hall, play some games with them, and then we'll, just, we'll, we'll go buy some fish and chips have some hot chips, let the kids eat. And as they're eating, I'll share with them the gospel message, tell them stories about Jesus and, and, and stories of the Bible and let the word of God begin to, to, and to um, permeate their heart and sow, sow seeds with inside of them. And we didn't do much. This is all we did, play games with them, feed them, and then begin to just share the stories of God uh, amongst them. People uh, in church quickly found out what we were doing and they'll come up to us and say, look, we really want to be part of what you're doing in your local community. So what we did, we said, look, I'm going to give you one month. You can come along, get involved, but after a month, there's a, there's, you've got an out cause, okay? If you need to go out, you, you can come out and 
we did that, and, re- and there's a reason why I did that, because there, there was one day I remember this lady coming up to us and said, look, I really believe God is calling me to come and minister to these children. And uh, I said, look, just give it a month. And after a month, I will ask you again, and it's okay if you, if you, don't, if you feel that this isn't for you. Then after a month, I went up to her, so tell me, what do you think? And this is what she said to me. She, she, she said, I think God is calling me somewhere else. And you got to understand, because the ministry that we're doing with these children is not easy. You get your good days, and you get your real ugly days. Okay. And, and you know what? We all, she had this, you know, we all got this need. She had this need to be a blessing. We all want to help people. But here's the thing. Um, we are all wired differently. God has blessed you. He has given you purpose in different areas. And you know what? It's okay if, if it was okay for her to, to say, you know what? This isn't for me because, you know, I'm looking for people who find themselves, they can, they're called by God for a specific purpose. If you, you could be serving someone, you're feeling frustrated. And the reason why you're feeling frustrated because you, you can't, does anybody ever feel like you're like a, a square pig in a round hole at times? Kind of frustrated. You don't quite fit, but you kind of feel called. You want to be a blessing. You want help because inside of every single one of you in this room, you've got the desire to be a blessing. You've got a desire to make a difference to help people. Because let me tell you something. When you encounter God, you discover purpose. And your purpose always involves helping people. This is why this series is all about our, our church vision. Real love serves. That God is real to every situation in your life. And he's called us to love community and serve purpose and calling. That every single one of you have a purpose, have a calling upon your life. Let me tell you something. Moses, Moses was about 80 years old when he encountered God. 80 years old. Any, anybody older than 80 in this room? Yeah, and then I'd lift up their hands. And <laughs> let, me, let, let me tell you something. Moses, when he encountered God, he was living in a tent. He living in a tent. You know what? Moses was a washed out 80-year-old living in a tent. His Early on in his life, he lived in a palace. He lived a high life. He had whatever he wanted. He did whatever he wanted. Now he finds himself living in a tent, washed out. He tried to do the right thing, and he ended up doing the wrong thing. Now he's washed out, and he thought, well, well, I'm 80 years old. My life is over. Then he encounters God. He encounters God through a burning bush. And God uses Moses to lead his people out of captivity into freedom. When you encounter God, you discover purpose. Let me tell you something about David. David was the youngest in his family. In fact, he was forgotten. He was forgotten about. It. They just left him out on the field. Have you ever been somewhere for a picnic and everybody left you and someone and you've been left behind? Anybody been left behind? You've just been forgotten before. Anybody here? I'm glad none of my kids are in this room. They'll be lifting up their hands right now. Yeah. I've only forgot them a couple of times, you know. When you have about too many kids, you kind of you lose track. Like, well, we got everybody? Okay, anyway. <laughs> but here's David. David was forgotten, but when he encountered God, he discovered purpose, and he, be, he became the greatest king Israel has ever known, King David. What about the apostle Paul? Before he became the apostle Paul, he was Saul, and Saul's job was this, to, to put to death Christians and to persecute them and throw them into prison. That's what his job was. He, he hated Jesus, and he didn't want anything to do with Jesus, and, he, and anybody who loved Jesus, he will hunt you down, drag you into prison, or worse, put you to death. Paul or Saul encounters Jesus. When he encounters Jesus, he discovers purpose. Paul goes on to plant many churches throughout the Mediterranean. In fact, Paul wrote most of the books in our New Testament Bibles. When you encounter God, you will discover purpose. But God has a specific place for you. You've been designed for, uh, for a specific purpose. And you know what? You might be in a place and you're feeling frustrated because you're feeling like a square pig in a round hole. Um, if you're looking for a subtitle for my message today, it is Square Pig. 
square peg, um, turn to the person next to you and say, hello, square peg. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking, I started off as a square peg, now I think I'm a bit of a round peg, but anyway, I start Monday, I start training Monday, maybe next Monday or the week, or maybe Monday next month, I don't know, let's keep going, let's just keep going, square peg. <laughs> because you know what? God has designed you. When God designed you, he did not make a mistake. You've got to understand the way God formed you. You know, if, if I said to you, could you go and dig a hole? And, and I, if I don't give you the right tool, it's, you're going to get frustrated. Some, some of you are working in places. Have you ever been asked to do a job and they, give you a real, they didn't give you the right tools and then they get angry at you because you didn't finish? And, and you get frustrated. It's like I say, here, go dig a hole and I give you this bass guitar. Go, go dig a hole in the bass guitar. And you go, it's a bass guitar. It's a tool. Use it. And you start digging with this, you're going to get frustrated. Because with the, the creator of this bass guitar did not design the guitar to dig a hole. It's, you're using it outside of its purpose. You know, you know, God has designed you in a specific way. And you're feeling frustrated. You might feel like a failure. Let me tell you, God did not design or create a failure. You could be working outside of your purpose. You, if, you, if you haven't discovered God, if you haven't encountered God, you're working outside of your purpose. And let me tell you something. When you encounter God, you discover purpose. But if you've skilled, let me say skilled, if you skilled and you picked up this bass guitar and you started to play this bass guitar, it be, you begin to step into the purpose that this bass guitar was designed for. And you've been designed for a specific purpose. So today we're going to be camping in the book of Judges. I love preaching from the book of Judges. I love preaching from this, this verse. I, you know, when I put this message together, I've realized that every year I've spoke about Gideon. Every year. I love talking about Gideon. So I've decided I'm going to give Gideon a break. Gideon, I'm going to give you a break for the next couple of years. So, uh, uh, so turn with me to Judges chapter 6, verse 1. You know, Gideon, if you, if you talk about a square peg in a round hole, this is Gideon. He is a square peg in a round hole. And, we've, and we open up in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. You know, the Israelites, instead of looking up to God, they, they began to look at everybody around them. They began to look at all the other, the surrounding countries. They began to look at the way they worship, and they began to copy their worship. They began to co uh, copy um, their ways and their customs. And you know what's really true? Of us, we do the same. Instead of looking to God, the author and perfecter of your story, we begin to look at everybody else, what everybody else is doing, and we begin to copy the behaviors of everybody else. And this is what's true, because be careful what you copy, because what you copy captures you. What you copy captures you. Now, the Israelites began to copy the behaviors of the Midianites. Then the Midianites captured them. They captured them. And verse 2 because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Go down to verse 6. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. God is so merciful. God is so merciful that, that he doesn't shield us away from, doesn't shield us away from something beginning with the letter D. And it's not the devil. Disaster. It's not disaster. You know what it is? It's your dumb decisions. <laughs> hey, you know what? That, that is true. Our dumb, dumb decisions lead to disaster. Think about your greatest regrets. 
Your greatest regret is because of some dumb decision that you did. You know how I know that's true? Because that's true of my life. I think of my greatest regrets is because of the dumb decision that we've made. You know, too often we blame the devil. We use the devil as an excuse. Well, you know, the devil was hard against me today. This has happened. No, it's because of the dumb decision you make. Think about it. Every dumb decision you made, you knew you shouldn't have done it. You, you knew you shouldn't. You're, lead, you're, you're walking. I shouldn't be walking here. I shouldn't be doing this. I, and you're telling yourself, and you do it anyway. And we are, oh, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. It was a dumb decision that you made. And we keep blaming the devil for all the dumb decisions we made, but it wasn't even true. It's your dumb decision. But God is so merciful that he doesn't shield us from the dumb decisions we make in the hopes that we do not do those dumb decisions again. You know, has anybody ever touched a, a hot element on the stove when you're a kid and you, re, and you realize, I shouldn't do that again? Has anybody done that before? Hey, Amen. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's done that before. If these hands could talk. Okay, anyway, it could be dangerous too. Let's just now look at my hands. Okay. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the, Ab- the Abazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I love that because um, here we have um, Gideon doing, uh, doing something with a wine press that it wasn't designed for. What was Gideon doing? He was in a wine press, threshing wheat. And, uh, and uh, we all know where, where we're supposed to thresh wheat, right? We, we do it all the day. Like just the other day, I was threshing wheat. <laughs> okay. We read this and, and it just goes past us because none of us actually thresh wheat. So what, what you, when you thresh wheat, you've got to do it in the open. And the reason, why you, you're, you're, you're reason you do that is so the wind can catch all the, all the shaft and, and blow it away and it'll end up in a pile over there. Then on the floor, you end up with all the good seed. Okay, you shake it around and you're supposed to do it out in the open and the wind so it can catch. And this is how you thresh, this is how you thresh wheat, right? You're not meant to be doing it in a wine press. It doesn't work. There's no wind in a wine press. The only wind that's in there is your own. Have you ever worked in an enclosed environment? Anyway, let's, let's move on. <laughs> With somebody else? <laughs> anyway. So he's frustrated. He's in there threshing the wheat, frustrated because this, the wine press was not designed for this. This wasn't the purpose of the wine press. Gideon was, was working outside of his, uh, his purpose, outside of his design. And in verse 12, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Can you imagine Gideon, he's threshing wheat? He's he's hiding. Why is he hiding? He's afraid. He's afraid that the Midianites will come and take his food that he's worked really hard to get. He's afraid. He's hiding. He's threshing wheat. And the only one he has is just his own. And then the angel of the Lord is sitting there and says, Hey, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's going, who, who are you talking? You, mighty warrior? Like, is this, there's someone else in here with me? And he goes, who, me? A mighty warrior? Do you see what I'm doing? You're calling me, I'm, I'm a coward. I'm hiding. Have you ever felt like a coward sometimes? You, you knew you should have stood up, you just felt afraid. Have you ever been in that place? Gideon knows exactly how you feel. And God says to you this, I am with you, mighty warrior. Who, me? Do you see what I'm doing? You calling me what mighty warrior? Verse 13. And Gideon is really polite. Really, he's really like my children. Pardon me? 
my Lord? Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, this is Gideon saying to God, wait, wait, you're saying that you're with, with us. But if you were really with us, if you, if Lord, if, if you're with us, why has all this happened to us? Why are the Midianites doing this to us? If you're with us, why is this happening? Because if you're with us, this shouldn't be happening. And he goes on. Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? I've heard the story, God, that you, you parted the Red Sea and we walked across on dry land. I've heard those stories, God, but where are you? Where are you now? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. See, Gideon asked this question 3,300 years ago that many of us ask in, in different forms today. Haven't we asked God those same kind of questions? God, where were you? I, I heard that you're the promise keeper, miracle worker. I, I heard that you're, that you're the God of the breakthrough. But where were you when my child got sick? Where were you? Where were you when my marriage broke up? Where were you when I lost my job? Where were you when the one that I loved died? Where were you? And we all ask this, oh, this kind of question to God. Don't we? In, in some form or another? But see, God's not afraid of these questions. And he wasn't afraid of the question that, that Gideon posed to God. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? See, Gideon, he said, if you are with us, but God says, I'm sending you. Stop looking around at everyone else because I'm looking at you. Go in the strength you have. Gideon's like, but do you know who I am? You're telling me to do something, but I'm not, I'm not, I haven't got the skills to do this, God. And we come up with all, all the excuses, don't we? When, when God says, I'm sending you. Well, oh, I don't, God, not me. I'm, I'm not as, I don't know my Bible as good as everybody else. I'm just a new believer. I'm just a new, new Christian. Not me. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe you should send them. They, maybe you should send Elliot. He looks like he's got his life together. Send that guy. Maybe you should send Aaron. He's an artist. You can send him. Don't send me. But God says, don't look at everybody else. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm talking about you. I'm sending you. Go in the strength you have. Go in your strength. Am I not sending you? I am with you. Go in the strength you have. Because let me ask you something. How long... Are you going to wait in this stage of life because of procrastination? How long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait until, oh, I'll wait until I see a sign? I'm sending you. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting until it's really, really obvious. How long are you going to wait in this stage of life because of procrastination? Procrastination is a thief of time. When I get around to it, when my kids move out of home, they move out of home, nothing happens. You're still in the same place. Well, I've just had a baby. Oh, well, when I, when I learn more about the Bible and we get stuck in the cycle, we never, we never get around to it. It's like mowing the lawns when I get around to it. 
Verse 15, pardon me, my Lord. He's so, he's so courteous, isn't he, Gideon? But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. My family, we're not even, we're not, even, we're not from a noble family. Once you sense those people there, they're pastors' children. They've got a lineage of pastors, maybe them, not us. I've got no one in my family who are Christians. Not me. I'm from the least of the families. Not me. Do you know who I am? Do you know what, you know what the name Gideon means? It means cut down. Even my name means cut down. You, you're calling me? And God said, I'm calling you. Go in the strength you have. But I've just been divorced. Go in the strength you have. I've just, uh, uh, um, I've lost everything I have. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. So after Gideon said this to God, God responds to Gideon in verse 16. The Lord answered, I guess you are a square pig. I must be at the wrong houses. Could you, could you point me to the right house? God didn't say that. What did God say? I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon, who are you going to believe? Your estimation of you or my estimation of you? Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your estimation of yourself or God's estimation of you? Go in the strength you have. When God created you, He didn't make a failure. You weren't born by mistake. I've heard people say, you know what? My parents told me that I wasn't planned. Let me tell you something. You were planned by God. You may feel like I'm just a mistake. You are not a mistake. God planned you since the beginning of time. And He has a specific purpose for your life. You weren't born just to eat your lunch go to school and eat someone else's lunch and then, oh, sorry, that's my life growing up. And then uh, go back home and then do it all over again the next day. Let me ask you this question. Answer this question in your heart. What would you do today if you were confident that God is for you, with you, and in you? What will you do today? What will you do today if you're confident that God was with you, that He was for you, and that He's in you? What will you do today? Because let me, you want to hear the truth? The truth is, God is for you. The truth is, God is with you. The truth is, God is in you. Do you realize that? Go in the strength you have. Because the strength that you have is God. If He is for you, who can be against you? God says, I will be with you. Mom, dads, student, business person, unemployed person, retiree, Will you see you as God does? Because He will be with you. 
God isn't, in a, God isn't interested in a generation that sees what everyone else sees. But He's looking for people who will see what He sees. This is about stepping into your purpose. It's about stepping into your calling. He's looking for people who will see what He sees. Do you see what God sees? Can you look at yourself as the way God looks at you? Too many people look at themselves as like, I'm not good enough. Failure. We write ourselves off. Not intelligent. Haven't got the education. But what would you do today if you're confident that God was for you, with you, and in you? You were created to make a difference. You are not a square peg in a round hole. You will discover that your purpose will always involve helping people. It will always involve helping people. Because real love serves. That God is real to all people. He's called you to love community. So it's purpose and calling. You have a purpose, you have a calling. This is why we run a program called Growth Track. Beginning of, of every month. The first Sunday, the second Sunday, the third Sunday, we run this program every single month. And the reason why we run this, these, this program called Growth Track is not for our benefit, but it's for your benefit. And the purpose of this program is to help you discover your God-given gifts of where you fit. So week one, this is what week one looks like for our Growth Track. Week one, it's all about knowing what you're committing yourself to. Because if you're going to commit yourself to this church, it's a good idea to understand what you're committing yourself to what we actually believe. What is it, what, what's our vision all about? Week two is about, about you doing a test, discovering your God-given gifts, your God-given um, personality. Honestly, I've seen too many people serving in an areas feeling so frustrated because they're serving outside of their gifting. I've seen so many people come to church and go, I just, I just want to be used. I want to be used. And they get frustrated because they're in the wrong spot. And at the end of it, they're like this, I feel so used. I feel so used. They start off like, I just want to be used. And now they're like, I just feel so used. Because they're frustrated. They're working outside of the gifting. In week three, it's, it's about looking at our dream team and where you can best fit, how you can serve. You know what? Let me tell you something. We got this, this, this gentleman called, called um, Bruce. He, he turned up the church, did growth track. Straight away, he's on our door, handing out flowers, flies. He's been doing this for the, for the last two years. Like I'm, I'm like shaking his hand. I said, man, he really encourages me. Aroha, she's up here. She's a service producer. Her and Sarah, they, they rocked up the church around the same time. First time, gave their heart to Jesus. Did a growth track. The next week, they're out serving, making coffee. You see Sarah making coffees. Aroha is telling me what to do as our service producer. She, she started, to, she joined our service producing team and I didn't know who she was. I was like, who's this person telling me what to do? You know, and because you find your purpose where you serve. Yeah, the truth is this. 80% of all the work that's done in church is done by 20% of people. You know, it's my dream to see that, 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 um, that, that actually we've got 100% of people just, just serving, loving God, yeah. making a difference in their, uh, where they fit and, 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 and they're serving God. Because, because when you make a difference where you fit, you don't see it as a, I'm being used. I just want to be used because this is inside of you. God created you to make a difference. And we get to the place of feeling used because we're working outside of our giftings. And this is why we do growth track. Our next growth track begins the first Sunday 
of April. So I encourage you, grab a one card. You've never done it before. Come on, discover your purpose. Go in the strength you have. What would you do today if you're confident that God is for you, with you, and in you? And I, I just want to end with this last. I want to talk about Lyle. Is Lyle here? He's, he comes to our third service. Lyle blows me away. You know, Lyle, he, he's been, did a growth track. He's been serving on our teams. He got cancer. Scary. Cancer's scary. It's, it's scary business. And I know too many people who have passed because of cancer. It is not good. Uh, and he said he, was, um, he said he had to step away from my dream team. I was like, man, what, what kind of excuse is that? No, I didn't say that at all. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Lyle, you just take all the time. You know what? Through chemotherapy, uh, through prayer, man, he, uh, he got healed. Come on. Come he got on. healed. Yeah. And as soon as he was well enough, he was back on our team serving. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. I'm not going to let cancer hold me back. I'm not going to let my messed up life hold me back. I'm not going to let my my upbringing hold me back. Go in the strength you have. What would you do today if you're confident that God was for you, with you, and in you? What would you do?